What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we're covering everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. And uh, yeah, I am your host, Jake Blockchain. And today I have Will Benz from Wrapped on the podcast. Will is, uh, his title says Cryptonautics at Wrapped, which big miss on my part. I have no idea what that means, and I didn't ask him. So you'll uh, you'll have to figure it out yourself and do your own research. But anyways, we, we cover a ton in this conversation. Wrapped is a, a company that's part of Tokensoft, and what they do is, as the name implies, they wrap different assets so that they can then be ported to different chains and used all over crypto. And so we talk about that, you know, is the dangers that people kind of have around that, mainly Bitcoiners. Um, is it justified or is there some nuance there? We also ask him, as a developer, if you're trying to go down that path, if you're restarting, how would you do it? Like, what's the what's the best advice for a new dev that's getting started in this 2022 Web3 inning that we're currently in? And uh, yeah, I wanted to get his take on a Bitcoin world versus a multi-chain world. Like, does everything settle down closer to Bitcoin? Or what's his take on that? And a bunch of other stuff. So, as usual, let me not talk your ear off too much because uh, the guest is much more interesting than myself. And let's just jump into this episode with Will Benz from Wrapped. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Will, uh, good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I am. I'm from Bitcoin, Miami. It took it took it took a week or so. It it was a slow acclimation process. Still still having to uh, get an IV drip to rehydrate. And... Yep. Yep. It was crazy too because like I I flew from Miami to Portland where I live and it was snowing in Portland. So I got like the starkest of contrasts and I'm like, just take me, just take me back. I don't want to be here. It seems like though that uh, it's it's over the years, um, Bitcoin conferences have just become more and more open to people from like other networks and chains and a lot of the kind of maximalist foundation, even though it's still there, it's just I think a really positive thing. Um, so a lot of uh, cool makers and influencers around the space. Um, the last two years, especially, I think. This this was my first conference, so I have nothing to compare it to. H- how long have you been going? Uh, so I didn't go to Bitcoin Miami, but uh, one of our coworkers, uh, Mason, is actually the CEO of TokenSoft, which started Wrapped. He was there, and it's just uh, he's also there last year, and it's just getting the play by play from them and plus i've been in the bitcoin space for a long time so i've seen kind of uh the uh, speakers and whatnot evolve into all kinds of stuff branching out from just uh bitcoin so it's you know pretty interesting yeah that seems to be a a thread i picked up on is like some people hate that that it's becoming too like commercial (laughs) and like selling out like the ethos of bitcoin is being eroded and then some people think this is like these are the unlocks that will bring Bitcoin to the masses. That's like the two kind of schools of thought. And they're like warring with each yeah. other. Yeah, It's interesting. And then like, I don't, I don't say any names or anything, but then you'll see some projects that absolutely have nothing to do with Bitcoin. 
Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. but they're there too. You're like, hey, what are you doing here? They're like, oh, I'm selling basketballs. They're like, what? what? <laughs> no. Yeah, I put I put a B on it, and now I can yeah. sell it as a Bitcoin branded thing. We're yeah. good to go. Yeah, yeah. but uh, no, it's it's still cool though. I mean, there's, there's just so much happening that you know I think it's going to keep. Uh, it pro- probably end up being one of the biggest uh, like tech conferences in the coming years. I was yeah, it was it was a pretty uh, eye opening experience for sure. Um, and yeah, crypto, crypto moves at warp speed. So it's, it's crazy to try to keep up, but I love to touch on before we get into crypto, what were you doing before you went down the rabbit hole and found crypto? Okay. So, uh, uh, several years ago, um, I've always been working like in it, but in particular, I was working at Cisco and then the project that I was on was starting to wind down and I had accumulated some savings and was at a point where I could kind of take a, a, a break and think for a few months about what I would like to switch gears into. And I'd been watching uh, a lot of the material and reading the material online about Bitcoin. And it's like $2 and $9. And it's just like really interesting, this internet currency. And so in my IT background, I've been more of like a project product manager. And I really wanted to get more into engineering and uh, just like making things and, and being able to translate ideas I had without having to hire somebody. And so um, I had this mentor and uh, I was like, you know, what, what do you think? How can I become a better developer like in this early stage that I'm in? And, and he was like, just pick something that's really interesting to you that's open source and, and just don't hesitate, just get involved with it. And so as it happened, I was like, I'm really interested in Bitcoin. So I started looking online and found Bitcoin.org, which was completely open source, the website, and uh, reached out to one of the maintainers. And he's like, yeah, we, we need help with translating the site. Like basically there's a whole laundry list of things that needed to be done. And he was super just like welcoming and didn't mind spending the time to help me get up to speed with things and then never look back. I, I basically was down the Bitcoin rabbit hole from that point on. It's on this IRC network called Freenode. And first time I got actually paid for doing something in uh, Bitcoin, there's this person with the pseudonym and uh, they were looking to try to set up a mailing list because they had these ASIC miners and it turned out to be one of the uh, uh, co-founders of Canaan, which was like one of the biggest mining manufacturers uh, and just was a good, good paying opportunity. I was like, wow, like this person doesn't even know who I am, but just because there's a reference point to see where I'm contributing over here on Bitcoin.org, they're willing to pay me to work for them. And so it was just a little side job. And yeah, it was just, uh, from that point on, it was, it was pretty, pretty much, you know, Bitcoin and leading into a bunch of other different things. Got it. And do there's a lot of people who want to become developers. Do you think that advice of, of, you know, find something that you're curious about and just like, go crazy on it is better than having people want blueprints, especially new developers. We want to be able to like see the yellow brick road, but a lot of people I talk to keep giving that advice where it's like, 
the it, it sounds like wisdom where it's like just follow your passion and it's not what they want to hear but do in your in your kind of like position is that still the best place to go in this current 2022 era of web3 um so uh, well we all learn differently um so like some people are really great at picking up a book and then they can just be awesome at whatever that material is from there for me at least i felt like it was much more helpful to just become immersed in what i was trying to do personally i think in crypto this is just my opinion i think that's one of the only ways to really get well engaged and to be able to learn and also network with people because we have this humongous space with just all kinds of uh, anonymous people, public personas, influencers, and just lurkers. But at the core, I still feel like there's a very, very small uh, percentage, relatively speaking, of people building things. Um, and so uh, I think it's kind of like if you bought a book about Kung Fu or something like that, and you're reading about different techniques and whatnot, it still doesn't translate well, at least for me, to if you actually went out there and sparred uh, and, and encountered these real situations that are that are changing and different people, uh, that's in its that's its own challenge is is uh, different uh, personalities. And so, yeah, I, I personally, if somebody was saying, hey, how do I get involved? I would say just pick your uh, project, like pick a, a specific uh, DAP and just connect with uh, those developers. And I think that there's still a incredible opportunity to uh, be early um, in that. Okay, cool. Great. I think that's good advice. Um, I'd love to switch it up a little bit. So hmm. How should I jump to this? Maybe let's start with what you guys are building. So what, what are you building currently at? And I hear TokenSoft and I hear Wrapped. Are they one and the same? Is Wrapped under TokenSoft? Could you give me some clarity on that? Yeah, so Wrapped is a part of TokenSoft. It's like its own uh, uh, team within TokenSoft. TokenSoft also started several years ago. Mason Borda, who I've mentioned, and we're talking about Bitcoin Miami, uh, CEO. So he started TokenSoft and it was right at the beginning of this big old, remember like the whole ICO craze and whatnot. It's just like, you know, tokens, tokens, tokens. And uh, so anyways, um, Mason used to work at BitGo, really well-known companies in the space and had left and was starting to do his own things. And um, so he was working with these people and they were like, hey, can you help us do like a, a token um, sale? And so in that process, working with another super talented individual, James Poole, they founded TokenSoft, which basically systematized that whole process, enables you to, you know, release a token and really handle all the mechanics to things surrounding that. Also, most importantly, like in a compliant way. And so uh, it's gone on and it's just uh, really become one of the most uh, prominent platforms for people doing those types of things. And uh, within that, uh, started to lead to about two years ago, what eventually became Wrapped. I'm sure maybe a lot of people have heard of Wrapped Bitcoin, which became well-known on the Ethereum network, which is essentially a one-to-one -one representation of Bitcoin on Ethereum, meaning that for every one Bitcoin that's placed into custody, there is one Bitcoin that is uh, created on Ethereum. So it's in effect 
wrapped. So what Mason and James discovered was that there was this very intense demand by uh, layer one networks, for example, like Zcash, Filecoin, also Stacks, to make it possible to interact with these uh, assets that by default wouldn't be compatible uh, in its you know, purest form on that network. So that became wrapped and it started basically from scratch uh, and just over the past year is, is just grown an incredible amount. In particular, I said it's been around for two years, but this last year, uh, just with the uh, incredible rise in, in DeFi, um, you know, we're, we're coming close to, I think, uh, at points before the markets depreciated a bit, like around $60 million and total value locked and wrapped assets. And, uh, we're still just relatively speaking in the first inning of, uh, what's happening in the space. So, yeah. Okay. And, and when I see I'm new to ETH, I just started tinkering with it because of the mega Kongs, but so, so wrapped ETH. Is, first of all, is that you guys? And why why is no. Rapid why is Rapid so prominent yeah. on ETH? I don't fully grasp that. Uh, well, so it's because by harnessing uh, uh, essentially the ERC twenty token standard, you compartmentalize the functions that are available to the asset that's deployed on the network. So it makes it more interoperable um, with different DApps and platforms. So for example, like SushiSwap is a really big DEX on the Ethereum network. Like when you're using uh, Ether on SushiSwap, you're using wrapped Ether. That makes it much easier to integrate. Uh, and so like when you see exchanges, Coinbase, FTX and others, um, it's from an onboarding perspective, if you have an asset and you're trying to get it listed, if it's part of the uh, Ethereum network, the fact that it's like ERC-20 compatible makes it just an incredibly much more simpler integration experience. And, and uh, assuming you check all the other boxes, usually engineering would be the hardest thing to get past, but having an ERC-20 makes it uh, much more simple. Interesting. Okay. And, and so there's a lot of talk about uh, the multi-chain world and like bridging assets across these different blockchains. Do you think that wrapped assets are like a key player in the future of that? Where I'm trying to think, and maybe you can give me some color on this, but like how do wrapped assets and bridges interplay in the sense of, could you send just a wrapped asset to any blockchain if the bridge was correct? Does that make yes. sense? As long as the bridge accepts that asset um, and then they have it uh, and set up to be portable to like a, a representation of that asset on the destination network or chain, then yes, you should be able to take your asset and move it all over the place. And so um, that's really at the core of what Wrapped is. It offers portability to generally speaking, like one of the most popular assets in the space. Like we do Bitcoin, we do ethers, we do XRP and others. And so, um, why would you want to hold say like a wrap Bitcoin as opposed to just Bitcoin? Well, um, generally people that hold Bitcoin, uh, that are most interested in these wrapped assets are long-term holders. Like they're, they're not just speculating on it from week to week. They've been holding it for months years they're looking at this curve where uh it's way down the road from now that they might even consider selling a portion of 
their uh, position. And so like what wrapping that Bitcoin enables you to do is without selling it, make it portable to another network that say may have a, a decentralized exchange uh, on the Stacks network, for example, you have Arcadico, you have Alex, you have StackSwap, and you can take that and supply it as liquidity, which does have its own risks, but you can also get additional yield on top of your Bitcoin in the form of like a utility token, which is also going to have its own price discovery and value. And so thereby holding some sum of Bitcoin, you have potentially unlocked additional yield on that Bitcoin by putting it to work on some type of, uh, of uh, DAP and opportunity in the DeFi space. So, okay. um, and we're, we're still really at the beginning of this, like basically every new network, um, whether it's, you know, like Avalanche, even layer twos like Polygon, which is built on top of Ethereum and also interoperable with other layer one networks. It's like each one that arises has this fresh green field of DeFi that's trying to evolve and discover itself. And so people that are looking to be the first there, which has its own risks, are able to, with a wrapped asset, uh, without having to buy more, but just by wrapping it, speculate in those types of environments. Okay, that makes sense. And I could I could see that the yield and playing in that like new fresh territory can get you some some juicy returns with risk. Yeah, exactly. But I I also see one step up. You hear from Bitcoiners a lot. Like I don't want to get it's. I guess it goes back to not your keys, not your coins thing. So mm-hmm. is that is that concern overinflated or is there real risk there as far as uh moving your bitcoin to a wrapped asset and being custodied yeah so it's it's uh there's a couple uh factors to it on a super high level i think that not your key is not your coin holds true across all networks and chains that's the promise of uh cryptocurrency that you are your own bank and ultimately you decide what you would like to do um, with your holdings. And so with that responsibility, it's up to you to decide like what levels of risk you want to apply on top of it. So yes, by trading, uh, let's say that you're just holding, you know, in your, in your uh, non-custodial wallet, some Bitcoin, by just even taking that to a centralized exchange to do something with it, you're right. Putting, putting trust in that exchange with, them having control over it. Um, now we also have decentralized exchanges where, um, you know, it's, it's uh, in the sense that there's no onboarding or anything like that. Anybody can go to the website and begin swapping. But at the same time, those platforms can get hacked. They can have uh, certain other issues like internally, like a bug that ends up locking up funds that become inaccessible. Uh, so those types of problems. And then also just speculating on those types of platforms. Uh, these assets are moving in real time. Bitcoin itself could be completely different later today than it is this morning, either up or down. So yes, I think ultimately, like when you place your asset into the custody of somebody else, you are putting trust in them, that they're aligned with your interests um, and that they're not going to be put in a position where uh, they're going to have to take action that would take your holdings out of your control. 
Though when you do wrap the asset and you hold the wrapped representation, let's say um, like a, a wrapped XRP on Ethereum, well, uh, you can keep that on a ledger, like you can still hold the keys to the wrapped asset. And so essentially like there's different ways here that you can interact with the wrapped asset. You can wrap it yourself, like let's take Bitcoin, you place it in the custody, it gets wrapped, you own the wrapped Bitcoin, which is you hold the keys to, or you could just go straight to a decentralized exchange and buy some number of units of that wrapped asset. And again, you're also holding the keys to that wrapped asset. So even though you didn't put it into custody, there's a fixed supply of that wrapped asset that matches what's in custody. And so you're just basically buying somebody else's wrapped asset that was placed into custody. So okay. um, it's, it's like, you know, a few different ways to uh, interact with it. Interesting. And we've seen, uh, is there any, is there any history of wrapped assets as far as like the custody being hacked, I, I guess is the word. Cause like we see with different chains or different DeFi protocols, like because everything's in the cloud and code based, it could be exploited. And so, yeah, well, so pe people, people could take the wrapped asset, but that one level up, has that ever been exploited? Well, so um, generally like with the asset, especially a smart contract based asset, whether that's on Stacks or on Ethereum, like you have a mint function and you have a burn function. And so mint is essentially the equivalent of what we call wrapping. When we say we wrap one Bitcoin, we're minting one Bitcoin. So we're using this function to create one uh, or however many quantities, like however, what number that's been placed into custody, that quantity onto this destination network. Now, a lot of uh, hacks that happen are people looking to exploit this mint function. So where let's say that I had uh, a million Bitcoins in custody, where I'm looking to exploit, say, a decentralized bridge, and all of a sudden I'm going to mint a million more that are in custody. So it's almost like a, like a money machine going burnt. And uh, I'm going to take that excess quantity and then rush to an exchange and try to sell it before they can catch up. So things like that have happened before. But then also, it's important to take into account the type of custody situation. Like, so with us, our Bitcoin is in custody with Anchorage Digital Bank. So they're like heavily regulated. Um, like if you're the person that is wrapping have to go through, uh, you know, the whole diligence process, KYC, AML. And so with them to move Bitcoin in and out, it's biometric and all kinds of just wild, like minority report type stuff. So that's one end of the spectrum where you see like a wrapped asset. The other one is where um, people are kind of forming a, a series of trusted parties managing like a multi-sig. Uh, and so like in those types of situations, there's been really good ones where, you know, it's, it's okay. And, and people are doing just billions of an aggregate of transfers. Um, but then there's other situations where, you know, it turns out it's not really that diverse of a multi-sig. It's just really like one or two people. And that has been exploited. So likewise with bridges themselves, we're a centralized bridge, meaning that when the Bitcoin is placed in or whatever the asset is that we support is placed into custody, these types of events don't happen without each centralized party kind of 
unlocking kind of like a Minuteman um, to eventually release this asset into supply. On some of these other decentralized bridges, uh, which again, can still be very helpful and great and have led to a lot of growth in the space, those types of smart contracts that make it decentralized, again, are the things that people really try to exploit where at any point in time, what they would call like a message relayer um, is exploited to give another recipient like incorrect trusted information to be able to then take action on top of it. So, uh, and that's where, again, you'd start to see something like, oh, is it either release all of the wrapped assets in custody to this and that have been deployed to this user, you know, and that's like a huge hack or um, actually mint triple the amount that was received, like the stuff like that. So it's just more complex, but the good news is, is that we're, you know, I'd say probably at least good two years into this and through open source, a lot of this uh, uh, weakness has led to strength where, you know, like you're not going to hit me in the same place twice. Unfortunately though, they still do have like a lot of copy and paste code out there that no matter how hard we try, there's going to be somebody that's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to start a DEX. And then it's just, uh, it, it, you know, can lead to problems, but we're the time, time makes us stronger. I think, and the growth of the DeFi space is a key performance indicator to that, like that people trust it more. So totally. Yeah. That that's one of the coolest things about open source and crypto. Cause I've, I've never really been in the tech sector before, but it mm. really is like, once you solve something once it's solved for everybody. And that's, and that's so powerful as you iterate. I mean, we're only like 12 years into this experiment and like maybe five with ETH, six with ETH. And so it's like in a decade from now, like these things are going to be a lot more, what we hope bulletproof because we've solved some of those problems. Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like with the uh, open source, it's just amazing how really anybody can take something and, and, and make it worse. But at the same time, you only need like just a few really skilled groups of people to make it better. And that makes everyone else better. Yeah. You know, like you're saying. And so I, I think that that's, that's what we're seeing. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. Um, well, let me just switch over to Stacks a little bit because you guys have been releasing some some cool stuff on Stacks. I guess first I'm just curious why why Stacks compared to going to I mean, there's bigger players out there that, as far as I know, you guys don't have a ton of assets on. So, what was curious about Stacks? Well, I think it's just that uh, for me personally, uh, and I think it also resonates with people on our team too. Is it's just that. Stacks is just so closely tied to Bitcoin. Um, and it's like uh, a lot of the people that you see in the Stacks community, these are like Bitcoin OGs, Bitcoin holders that have just been around a long, long time. And uh, I feel like that over the past probably uh, six to nine months, we're really seeing the inception of uh, DeFi for Bitcoin. And I, I, I personally feel like that Stacks is an avenue to connect Bitcoin to DeFi. And we're, we're going to see different ways to bridge Bitcoin itself uh, into these different dApps on the Stacks network that are going to allow people that hold Bitcoin to do the same things that people that have been holding Ethers have been able to do for years. That's why for us, um, you know, we're getting involved. 
what's your pulse on this debate between everything settles down to Bitcoin? Bitcoiners think that all innovation will eventually come to Bitcoin versus like a more multi-chain world. Like in a in a decade, and I know that's an insane question to ask in crypto, but you know, in in a decade, what's your pulse of like how prevalent it's going to be things like ETH and Solana versus Bitcoin and these kind of like abstractions on top of Bitcoin? Yeah, I feel like um, it's it's the crypto industry as a whole is going to continue to innovate and there's going to be things built on top of Bitcoin. There's going to be things built on top of Ethereum. There's going to be things built on top of Solana. And I'm not even just talking about dApps, but I'm talking about like layer two solutions um, that rely on the activity on this parent network. Uh, and I also think that there's going to be uh, these, these solutions are going to be interoperable with other uh, networks. So for me, what I, what I see is that there's always going to be a Bitcoin. And I think it's, it's always going to be one of the strongest referential examples of a uh, digital asset. What I feel like most likely would happen, and I think, you know, uh, I'm just looking at a crystal ball here, so I could be completely wrong, is that by holding your Bitcoin, you are able to interact with a number of different things in different networks because these other networks, these other dApps on those networks, when they go to CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap, any of these uh, uh, you know, market data providers, what's at the top of it? It's, it's Bitcoin. And so uh, it's got the most value locked in it. And I don't think that's something that's going to change for just a really, really long time. And so it's just really in everybody's interest in the long run, I think, if you're working with digital assets as a developer to try to build something for Bitcoin, like how do you connect with these Bitcoin holders that aren't just, you know, individuals, but really large operations with just incredible amounts of liquidity. Like, and so in the long term, I don't see a convergence where there's only one coin, one chain. It's an open source initiative for like, how do we make this uh, portable so that we can all work together within that there's, it's really interesting. Like, I think part of the thing that makes people defensive about, you know, to have the, their preferred network is you, you see just a lot of junk where people come out and they're like, this is the next thing that's better than, than uh, you. And it's just like, okay, whatever. And so a lot of these people that have been working in these spaces, it's just been weeks months going back and forth just like having critical conversations with one another just about like very minute changes to an open standard that 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 in itself gets criticized like oh it's not moving fast enough like it's never going to be able to do this but at the same time like we see just a very secure thing that continues to just bear all this weight of all these people all this money like in trust in a completely trustless environment um and so like people try to say, oh, I could do better or our team can do better. We have these investors, this many transactions per second. That kind of, it makes you like, I could see how it would make people annoyed to just like, no, you don't understand. Like you don't spend, you're not sitting there at, at you know, one o'clock in the morning going back and forth with some anonymous stranger on the internet that, you know, just in this GitHub issue. And so, um, 
on one hand, I see like where that kind of just creates like a, no, I don't want to hear it. Uh, and then at the same time, I do feel like uh, where people have accomplished a lot, say like Stacks Network is a great example using really complex technology to be able to build on top of Bitcoin. Um, and then also just uh, so like with clarity and then also with, uh, so like taking Ethereum as another example with solidity, you do see, oh, well, you know what? These developers, they are doing some really cool stuff. Like look what they've done. So like the NFT craze as an example, what we've done is gone from just holding this asset and watching it appreciate over time, we're actually creating utility to it. And uh, yes, like an NFT is, is you know, like just uh, some type of asset that's a lot of times in the form of like, you know, some type of art or something like that. But the long run to that is I feel like digital ownership. And so that wouldn't just be, you know, uh, something you might see on OpenSea, but that could be, um, you know, like physical property, like a piece of land, uh, you know, other types of uh, uh, even non-physical like ownership in certain types of things. So I think that when people see that these developers that maybe are moving really fast and being risky and at the risk of, uh, you know, like, hey, it's it, this consensus mechanism is a little too fast, confirmation times are too fast, whatever uh, the criticisms one could apply. Uh, for the ones that do accomplish things with it, again, I think it moves everybody else forward. And it also is introspective in the sense of people that um, are on uh, taking more conservative approaches have to at least weigh, is this something that we could look to do as well? And so I think that in the long run, that's going to make things great for Bitcoin. And I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And I just think it's going to be more... Uh, uh, usable in a variety of different ways than it already is. So, yeah, you actually got me thinking too, as you were explaining that, that like the, at a technical level, there's going to be a lot of differences in chains, but like mm -hmm. what Coinbase has been able to do with one app that abstracts so much of the headache and you could just set, you could just hit send or receive and then you just get their address and there's no other wallets involved or I don't have to like get my key. Like it's, cust it's custodian. So there's that, but like, the end user, especially for the newbie, they just know that they can buy any of these networks and send them to those networks. And it's yeah, it's almost like an, all that other technical complexity is invisible. And I can see how, because we're still in the early, early innings in the future, you just kind of, I can see one wallet that has all your NFTs across all your platforms and you just trade them yes. and you don't, even, you don't even feel it. Right, right. And it's just, uh, we're, we're coming from a time where Bitcoin just as, as one of the only assets that you could trade when it was, you know, first available uh, was just so complicated uh, for people to use, especially people that didn't have a uh, technical background, like what's a good wallet? What do these terms mean? What's a Bitcoin address? Like what's a transaction ID? What's confirmations? Uh, all these different things. And in each one of those, like, somebody's going to perceive that explanation differently. Like uh, one person with really, uh, it's been in the space, like tech background, be like, oh yeah, I get it. But somebody else like, uh, hey, I saw this thing about Bitcoin on TV. Like, how do I get one? Is, like that is 
more along the lines of just like this Coinbase style approach where, okay, there's one Bitcoin, I will buy one. Okay, this comes out of my bank account. Now I have one Bitcoin. And um, so I, I think that uh, we've just come a long, long way and that it's just gonna keep being simpler to um, uh, for people to engage with. Um, like even uh, I was flying uh, maybe in the past two or three weeks and just on the TV, at the airport, they were showing an ad uh, for like at a museum where you could purchase an NFT, like mm. to go alongside. And I'm just thinking, wow, this is just in one year, really, like this whole NFT thing is just blown open. And, and now it's just on TVs at the airport. And for them to do that, it has to make sense to a lot of different people. And, and so like, we still haven't even gone into, uh, we're, it's starting to happen, but uh, like NFTs for like music and stuff like that. It's, it's really like once this thing, uh, it's like a, a nuclear reactor, it's gonna be just really, really hard to, uh, you know, dial down without just a really immense effort. And I don't, I don't even know that that's possible at this point. Uh, Cause you know, like there's NFTs on stacks and, and uh, just really all over the place. And so it's just really yeah. interesting. Uh, no, I agree. I, I think NFTs are going to be one of the biggest like life-changing texts that get you know utilized over the next 10, 20 years. I saw mm -hmm. someone this morning post about, they were saying that uh, NFT holders get psychological fulfillment from holding the NFT. And the person was like joking about it. Like, look how ridiculous these, these shit coiners are. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have any idea what like the power that ownership and community have in tandem. Where once you yeah. stack them, it's it's incredible how that that bond can create something. Yeah, and just like creators being able to uh, go out there and build value, like real value that they can use to enable them to continue down uh, that lifestyle path. Uh, one thing that I've always thought will be like a very pivotal moment is like uh, like you're talking about VR at the beginning of uh, our conversation, and so like. Imagine a VR setting, say like a Minecraft like place where people already now, like uh, just let's just take Minecraft as an example, spend hours, days, weeks on building something just very complex, expansive. Like I feel like we're not very far from like things like that being represented like in, in uh, a variety of NFTs. And so um, that creates like a whole new economy that even, even before digital currency was happening where people were selling in-game items and stuff like that, like playing games like Diablo and whatnot. And it's just like, uh, this, this convergence that's going to happen, I think is really going to be uh, powerful or people are going to be able to make a living doing these types of things. And, and so I think it's just, uh, pretty wild. Yeah, the, the future is exciting. Yeah. The future is super exciting. You, you mentioned currency, and I think I want to touch on stable coins because you guys are mm -hmm. bringing you guys are bringing a new one to to Stacks XUSD. Yep. That's and, right. Yep. And it's 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 interesting because people who buy Bitcoin or Stacks or whatever, we could spend it like money, and we we treat it like that. Like one Stacks is one Stacks worth, so I buy my ten mm -hmm. Stack NFT. I don't fully understand the power of stable coins like it sounds it sounds like it's just a weaker asset like it's stable i, I get that implication but what is 
why XUSD, but also maybe just help me understand, like why why is a stable coin so important for the digital economy? Okay. So um, there's there's a few different ways. One of the most pervasive ways, uh, prominent ways rather, that stable coins come into play is in finance, in speculative trading, like where you're trying to you know make money and then harness that gain over time. A stable form of currency like USD, the euro, and so on is really important for you to be able to control and employ your trading strategy. So like if I'm a, a day trader or whatnot, um, a hedge fund trader, uh, a lot of the times what you'll be looking for is opportunities to arbitrage a certain scenario so that you can quickly enter and then recognize that gain and then go back to stable because you know, stable as a word, like it's, it's a dollar is a dollar, a dollar. And then yes, over time with inflation and things like that, that's a whole other component to a conversation. But where that comes in handy, like on say like a network like Stacks is if I'm on a decentralized exchange, I want to be a liquidity provider and I have XBTC with some other asset. And actually now you can use USDA, like for example, like on Alex, but you've also always been able to use an Arcad Eco. But when there's not that stable asset, you're forced to take the other side of the pair. And so that might be stacks. And so we have these two assets that are changing from you know, microsecond to microsecond. And that puts undue risk on you, where if you want to uh, recognize some type of uh, trading opportunity, which when I say undo, it just means that it's like uh, something that you would normally not have to take into account if you're holding a stable coin, which its value remains fixed. So what could happen is, is when you're wanting to enter into this trading scenario, you're having to acquire both assets. So just because you're recognizing a gain with Bitcoin doesn't mean that that's going to be affected by the other asset trading adversely against you while you're in there. And then also over time, the fact that you have to hold both assets to supply that liquidity to get like some type of utility token. Um, that also creates additional risk for you because of the fact that just because Bitcoin's going up in value doesn't mean the other one's not going to go down and basically kind of uh, eliminate your gain. So in trading, that's really helpful. Uh, also, like uh, when people with extremely large Bitcoin holdings want to start to enter into a DeFi type space, it's really important that they can have a stable coin as a reference point to be able to manage what they're doing as a de-risking of their uh, position. So um, it's just, uh, especially with Bitcoin miners, so people just have incredible large sums, but they want to be able to say, connect with DeFi in the stack space, um, having to ask them to potentially take on another asset like stacks is just something that they might not be uh, comfortable with, um, or it could be another asset. So, and then lastly, the other reason why a stable coin is really good is uh, taking an existing one, say like USDA is really the only one on the stacks network. So by bringing in an XUSD, those things can trade against each other to create more stability across both. Because oh. really if, if, if XUSD starts to go up, then there'll be a trading situation where you could, you could sell into that to uh, potentially, you know, earn, earn some profit to bring it back down. And then likewise with USDA. And so you have this constant competition to keep it stable. So. Got it. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother rabbit hole we could probably go down, but I have, mm -hmm. I have been with the, 
with the whole Luna UST thing going on, I've been going down, learning a little bit about like the history of stablecoins. Period. Like, there's so many different styles and flavors that DPEG and this, this, and that. And I'm like, what? Isn't it a dollar a dollar? Like, why is it so complicated? But that yeah, we can get, we can get lost in that. I don't want to go down that in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just putting a pin in that, so that that's interesting that you can give some stability because you have competing stable coins that give you more right. of a trading against a, each other a foundation to build mm-hmm. on top of um mm-hmm. interesting okay i got two more questions before i close this out and yep. one is yep. one's gonna come off really really stupid but for, for some reason in my mind wrapped assets still feel not like the real thing so i want you to help me make it tangible so imagine i'm trading on alex and i have one xbtc and let's say it's at forty thousand. And uh, at that point, I could trade it for stacks, which is at a buck twenty-five, so I can get you know thirty something thousand tokens on Alex. Cool, I can do that swap. If XPTC doubles and goes to eighty, in that swap, I could just I would just trade. I would do a swap, and I would just get double the amount of stacks if stacks trade at the same price. Like it's that's it sounds so simplistic, but for some you're, reason, my head. Saying- if, if Bitcoin goes up in value, can you sell it on the decentralized exchange? If, if Bitcoin doubled and stacks remain the same, would I literally get double the amount of stacks in that swap pair by, by just holding that one XBTC? You would get the equivalent amount of stacks to represent that new price. So if Bitcoin became worth twice as much, it would take twice as much stacks to net you that amount of Bitcoin when you sell it. Got it. Yeah. And I had that question leading into this conversation. As yeah. we talked, I'm like, this makes, this makes sense. But I want to make it crystal clear because if I have that question in my head, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. No, no. Well, that's the thing. It's just like uh, I think wrapped assets themselves are very new, but they've now, especially from an institutional side, uh, like major players that um, are funding the space and then trading in the space, investing in the space are using wrapped assets really every week um, to, you know, exercise their, uh, their different strategies. So, um, I think it just per, for a person that's like, uh, I'm not even saying it for you, but somebody that's just now, uh, starting to encounter one, maybe it's like on stacks with XBTC, it kind of goes back to the example, like you were talking about with uh, Coinbase, where it's like, I don't need to understand how this works behind the scenes. I just want to be able to use my Bitcoin on stacks. I want to be able to use my, uh, you know, XRP on Ethereum. Or something like that it's just a, a way for you to be able to accomplish what you're looking to do and then we handle that behind the scenes and then as far as like um i think the transparency angle of it is like well how do i know my xbtc is is one btc so like the great thing about blockchains is it's like wide open there for you so um like for us we put our bitcoin in custody it's on reserves.rap.com and then we have our xbtc in supply and both of those are, you know, you don't have to uh, ask us. You can just go check. And so, um, you know, it's just um, unlike some other types of wrapped assets in the past, like, for example, like with Tether, that's like a, a big one where it's coming to question, like, is this really like equate mm-hmm. to the amount that's placed? Because Tether in itself is, is basically like a, like a wrapped asset. It's tethered to the dollar supplies based on the amount that's in custody. So that's one thing that we've done since the beginning is, you know, try to, create a really clear surface to be able to tell. Um, so then beyond that, your main risks are, uh, we're kind of going full circle here, but 
um, to become the platforms themselves. Like, you know, is this platform that has XBTC on it audited? Like, what's their, you know, uh, process for bringing in new changes? Uh, have they ever had any problems in the past? Like, uh, uh, those types of things. So, yeah. perfect, perfect. Thank, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, la well, last question, and I, I like to end on a hopeful note, kind of like forward thinking. So, what is, what is the future of Raptor TokenSoft look like? Say, like five years out which i know again in crypto that's like you're 100 now but yeah, what, what, what does a home run look like for you guys if you guys are executing and everything is going well in five years uh, i think we'll probably be an invisible layer behind like a lot of different products and services that people use kind of like um, uh, tcp ip is is something that enables people to use the internet network uh two, you know, many devices together. Um, we want RAP to be a technology layer that allows Bitcoin to move from the Bitcoin blockchain over to any network or chain that we support, uh, really so that people can move things as, uh, as easily as possible to whether it's just sending from one person to another or uh, from many people uh, on one website to another platform. Um, yeah, so that, that would be a win for us. Uh, is just to become really fun, fundamental network layer uh, to a bunch of different blockchains uh, for making assets more portable. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any more questions. We covered a lot. Is there anything I didn't touch on that you want to close out with? No, I think that we talked about a bunch of things, uh, but I think that the, the Stacks Network is just a really awesome community with lots of really cool people in it. So um you know if you're a bitcoin holder and you've been reading about DeFi and dabbling with things on other networks i think the stacks network itself is just a great place to really connect with positive people like i, I haven't really uh, i think the people that are having conversations there are very smart and just like really accepting and so i just you know check out the stacks discord it's a cool place that's, that's a good way to end it. And a lot of people come yeah. for different reasons to stacks, whether it's the new tech or Bitcoin or yields. But yeah. you, stay, you stay for the community. The community is super dope. Yeah, yeah, it's cool people. And then like the people that are building these things, like they're right there so you can talk to them. And so I think that uh, for me, that's something that I felt when I was uh, getting first started in Bitcoin was just like these names, like, hey, this person's right here on Freenode. They're right there in the mailing list. And uh yeah, like on Stacks, it's the same way with these people building these new platforms, so these new dApps. So. Very cool, very cool. Well, uh, this has been fantastic. Will, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me on, and best wishes. I'm sure we'll be in touch. So. Yep. All right, man. Till next time. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way But I'll be right here waiting I've been waiting now I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out Make it out cause I don't think about everything.